gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome back, everybody, to East Meets West here on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet podcasting feed. I am one of your hosts, Scott McLeod, welcoming you to a fine day here at the end of November. We've got some big news to talk about. We've got some fallout, some controversy to talk about. It's all kicking off. It's the end of the year. Uh, around this time of year, most wrestling companies are winding down for the holidays and then taking stuff off in the new year. But no, with New Japan for Wrestling, it's all kicking off at this time as we're preparing for two more tournaments because we haven't had enough of those this year. And we're well on the road to Wrestle Kingdom. It is truly a great time to be alive. <laughs> and joining me on this fine, fine day to talk about wrestling gods. <laughs> 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 joining me to talk about what time it is to be alive is one and only Grammy Robbie. Hello, Hello, Scott. Yes, beautiful time of year. We've had an extra tournament squeezed into the calendar. We've got two more still to go. And I'm buzzing it, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is so much to talk about. I feel like I say that every episode of East Beats West, and I'm running out of different ways to say it, but I don't know how else to put it. There really is. Like so much, just as we think it's going to be a quiet you know, review show that we can talk about, that we can do like more announcements get made, you know. And we were we made sure to delay this by a week as well because I was not doing this show before we got the World Tag League and Super J Tag League announcements because New Japan didn't do what they usually do, like in the last big show before a tournament, and then it give you all the announcements. Then no, they made you wait like a week. I just just to keep us on our toes and you know always guessing and you know keeping adding more content. It's it's a wrestling equivalent of having a kebab on a night out. You think you're about finished your kebab and then boom, no, your kebab's not finished yet. There's another fucking layer. <laughs> what a very unique <laughs> unique analogy, and that's the kind of analysis you can expect on East Beats West, which you can find previous episodes of in the back catalog. I think we're on like thirty-seven almost episodes at this point. We're all in the, well in the 30s at least. Uh, you can also find on that same feed uh, Saturday Draft Live every Saturday our feature shows uh, every week. Uh, this is our central hosted by Ross and a revolving panel. Myself will be on with Ross this week to talk about full gear and some interesting stories that have been happening this week. And you can find that, like I said, all good Android podcasts and Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. And keep up with the goings on with Eat Sleep Supplies Retreat when shows are going to be out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Suplex Retweet. But, Grant, you and I are going to talk about a show later on from the UK that finally went up like a week or so, I think, after we recorded the last episode. So it feels like forever ago, uh, probably because it did happen forever ago. But now that we've got that, we've, still, we've got a show from the US, which is not available on New Japan World, but I'm going to briefly mention Rumble on 44th Street and the night before. From what I can see, some big things happened. They tweeted out about it, so I can talk about it. Uh, the motorcycle machine guns dethroned Aussie Open for the strong open weight tag team titles, which was a big story at the time. We had women from Starda, Stardom working the show, which was a big deal for New Japan and especially in the US. And, you know, we had uh, Jonathan Gresham showing up to answer an open challenge from strong open weight champion Fred Rosser. You know, you had all the big stars. It's just a shame that. Unless you part with some extra cash on pay-per-view, we can't watch it yet. 
every fucking time they do this, they give us a, they give us a like, what looks like a great card because I'm still desperate to see Shingo v ZLP's like sort of final chapter with a big sort of street fight. But no. Yeah, they, yeah, they never make it easier for even though all the big moments have already kind of announced and all that. Like the surprises, I think, have all been revealed from what happened at the night before. I'm pretty sure Shooter and John Moxley got to be back together again uh, on that night. And also, we we're talking about like trying to guess from outlines on uh, the night before post, or like they're trying to tease some surprises. And there was one I couldn't make it. I said the only person I can think of with that kind of shaving that outline is Amazing Red. And lo and behold, fucking amazing red shows up. <laughs> you did. You called it. It's recorded. The prophecy has came true. <laughs> See, we, we're, we're, no, we're no idiots here. We know what's going on. We know all the big screen. That's why Gado doesn't like us. That's why he doesn't play ball. And he doesn't hear all these shows when we want to talk about them. That's why he's not put gold in the great O'Shagger yet. Just to, just to annoy us. Oh. There's a potential for gold to come to the Great O'Shagger just in time for our Christmas special, but I'll get to that later on in the show. But uh, I'm, Machine Guns winning the tag is a big surprise, not just because you know it's Machine Guns winning tag gold once again and this time in a and New Japan ring, but I think you know Aussie Open, the inaugural reign, I think because of tapings and all that, it's, it feels longer than it actually is. But they've already managed to cram some solid defenses in there. They had that big match where we. Uh, the FDR, even though their belts weren't on the line, and you know the machine guns winning them, it's great to see more machine guns in New Japan. Maybe that crossover was Impact Wrestling, but I think we can probably say that that title change was done to free up Aussie Open to to go over to Japan for the World Tag League. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's it's the only reason I can think of them getting Aussie Open to drop the belts like that is like they've got something planned for them because otherwise, I'm like, just feels a little bit disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, it does. I think it's a case of Aussie Open might not get as many wins during World Tag League, and if they they lose in many matches, they don't want to give everybody that they lose to strong open weight title matches. Otherwise, they'll have a big long queue. Like the post office, like the post office outside of strong taping challenges number three, please. So it'll be interesting to see that rematch, especially that came in a three win match that did. But uh, with Jay White coming out ahead of a tag team match against. Okada and Eddie Kingston, which was uh, very cool to see. But I only put in some stuff about New Japan in America because it's been fairly quiet other than that show uh, on that front. But I, put, I created this section of the notes. I said this to you before we started recording. Talk about something that happened way over in AEW, which is Orange Cassidy won a triple threat match against Luchasaurus and Phoenix. And what I love is when they show the graphic for that, where they show the flags of people's countries because it's the All-Atlantic Championship. They didn't have a flag for Luchasaurus because he's a dinosaur, so nobody knows what country he's meant to be representing. Uh, so it was an All-Atlantic dream match where the winner would get the defender title on the following rampage against a dream opponent. And luckily for Orange Cassidy, as he was getting beat up by Pac after the match, his dream opponent just so happened to come and save him. It was fucking Katsuyori Shibata. I could not believe it. I was losing my fucking shit. Shibata wants the glasses, man. Yeah, that was that was the thing going around social media. It's like, Shibata, I am a no-nonsense wrestler. I wear black trunks and boots. I, t- I take no prisoners. I expect no mercy in return. Also, Shibata, it is my dream to have a match with the glasses, man. 
like of all the places for Shabbat to pop up, I did not expect that. Would not have seen that coming in a mile. I was like, uh, when he pops up, it'll be like for Wrestle Kingdom for a big match. No, AEW. Yeah, not just AEW, Grant. AEW on Rampage. I know it's a live Rampage, but it's Rampage. You might at this point with Rampage, you might as well debut bloody Shabbat on fucking Dark Elevation at this stage. <laughs> because no one gives a fuck about Rampage at this. Nobody cares about Rampage. Do you know what, what's even more annoying is they opened the show with this. Probably because they had Mike Tyson on commentary and he wanted to beat the traffic so he didn't fall asleep while he was still in AEW. Do you know what main evented that episode of Rampage instead of this match? Absolute shite. <laughs> it was Wardlow and Samoa Joe beating the Gates of Agony. <laughs> you know, that forgettable ROH team that teamed with Brian Cage. You can also sometimes forget his employees. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Hey. Oh, what? Like, did somebody get the booking sheet behind an upside down so they thought that this was meant because this was meant to open the show and the all Atlantic Day was made an event, but they got handed an upside down. It's like, oh, okay, so we're kicking off with the Shabbat. And I was like, no, you morons. Then everyone's going to turn off because the match worthwhile to tune in for has already happened. That's it. It, it. it seems back to front, although on the, on the plus side, it meant that if their match did run over, it wasn't going to get cut off at least. That's a positive. Well, yeah, that is a positive. You had to make Tyson on commentary. So that's. He was better than JR. Yeah, but like, I think it was Kay Mankosh Wednesday, the Rotsu summed up best, like, out of it, given his track record and everything else he's done, who thought the best way to get their investment back from Mike Tyson was to put him in a speaking role? And I really thought, because, you know, it was a subdural hematoma that, uh, that Shibata suffered from, and I thought, if you really wanted to get your money's worth out of Mike Tyson, ask Mike Tyson if he can say the words subdural hematoma. <laughs> That would be worth tuning into Rampage for. But, you know, you, I watched the match back earlier on, and whenever it cuts to Mike Tyson sitting at the commentator, he just looks like a child who has wandered out, and they say, like, okay, you can sit with the commentators for a little bit. You can watch the glasses, man, fighting the, the black trunks, man. And he was just there, oh, he's going he's gonna to hurt him. Oh, he got him right in the face. <laughs> that was the extent of his, his commentary on Rampage. And something that irks me a little more. I, mean, I don't hate Orange Cassidy, but Orange Cassidy won. Again, and what Shabbat is what third match since he, he came back from injury. You know, every match I think right now is precious for Shabbat until we know if he's going to be back full time. And we knew he was going to probably do something with AEW because he showed a bit forbidden door. But everybody thought the next game he's done was maybe against. Will Osprey because he kind of confronted Osprey and saved Orange Cassidy from, but then he's lost to Orange Cassidy for like one of the lowest tiered belts that EW has. Like I said to you, like just give him the belt, like let let him take the All Atlantic belt off of Tony Khan's hands, and you know because people honestly, if you watched Dynamite for a couple of weeks and the All Atlantic title wasn't there, would you even notice? <laughs> No, you wouldn't. No, I feel I feel sorry for that belt because it is actually a lovely looking belt, mm-hmm. and I like the whole idea. That at first, it's like, oh, Pac is taking it all over the world, and then he's going to come back every now and then to like defend it in the big, in the big pay per views. That sounds great. Oh no, we're going to give it to Orange Cassidy. It's like, what? What are you doing? What is this? 
yeah. I mean, but then it became the belt, the Orange Cast. It doesn't travel the world for even though I'm sure, like if he came to the UK or wherever, like his popularity would reach over that you know those shows would sell out just to hear the Orange Cassidy was coming. But uh, they have him defend it exclusively in triple threat matches at first for some reason, and then he's fighting Shibata, which again is like a weird. It shows just shows how weird 2022 has been that we got Shibata versus Orange Cassidy. You know, and it wasn't like a universe mode match or something that somebody made themselves on like 2K22. But yeah, I think it would have been cool if Shibata won the belt and took it back to Japan, defended it over there and travelled with it. But maybe this is what the New Orleans belt should be in a sense for if Orange Cassidy and people like that are going to hold on to it. That if you're not travelling, then we get people from outside of AEW, international talent like from Japan or wherever, to come to AEW to challenge for it. I mean, they missed a golden opportunity because if Shibata won it, guaranteed we could have easily got David Campbell back on out of retirement onto this podcast for one episode just to talk about his love of Shibata, as he would say. <laughs> uh, one of the tastiest wrestlers in, uh, has ever been. <laughs> oh, good old Shibata. But uh, can you imagine, I said to you, like, how it should have worked out like, if, his son, if his son, we all know he's his son, Renovator, could have won it. Wrestle Kingdom and then out comes Shabbat of the Atlanta Bell. Like, yes, now we will go after all the belts and we will rule New Japan Pro Wrestling as father and son. That's it. It's like, it's like Ren Narita's doing the whole like son of Shabbat gimmick, like son of strong style. And it's like, Shabbat's just like showing America, like, oh, they've clearly fucking forgot about me over there, so I may as well go somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I've said to you, like, watching like, Ren Narita wrestle, like, like, he had that match with Tommy Orishi in the, the TV title tournament. Like, just keep putting them against Shibata rivals. Like, just replay all of Shibata's best matches just with Ren Narita. Like, ah, well, we can't get we can't trust Shibata to, you know, get back in the ring full time. So we've got new Shibata. It's like we have Shibata at home, but I want Shibata. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, okay. To Ren Narita, I'm going to talk about him later on. He has been absolutely class so far, but you know, so all. Oh, I mean, it probably was a pipe dream to see. Link Shabbat would come in and take, you know, beat one of Tony Khan's guys and take one of his belts. But, you know, I'm going to say some harsh things about Tony Khan later on in the show. Don't you worry about that. So we go back over to the UK where we finally got Royal Quest as commentated by Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly. And, you know, I think you, you were the same. First thing I did is go into night one get right over to the main event, watch that first before anything else. It's like, I don't give a shit about anything else that happens in the world until I watch this goddamn match. I don't care what spoilers it causes by going straight to it. It's fucking happening. I need this in my life. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, there's always a few when I have those matches where it's been like a tape delay and people are already talking about it and the ratings come out or I didn't get a chance to watch a show live and then I go back and watch a match. And the people were talking about how good it is. You wonder, is it going to live up to the hype? And uh, I don't know, Grant, do you think it will live up to the hype? Oh, I got so excited, I thought I was going to have to change my pants. the toffee hammer. Honestly, God, it was an absolute fucking banger. No matter how much I knew about it going in and what I'd been told about it, it still exceeded my expectations. I think one thing that was on display through both nights of this show was just how great a UK crowd can be. 
And I think it's got to be a change of pace for a lot of the wrestlers uh, on the New Japan side who haven't maybe had this in a long time. And like FTR's music gets catchy, but you're thinking that's not a song you could sing along to. Not the crowd and Crystal Palace found a way to sing along with FTR. Then you got the the chance of the ooh ah FTR. And you could see just how much FTR like were enjoying themselves and hearing the crowd singing along with them and just I don't even know what else I can say about the fact that it was an absolute bagger. You knew it was going to be because you knew who was involved in the match. And like Mark Davis getting cut, I'd seen like images of like these guys with blood and everything. I think FTR got cut open. I think that was planned, but I don't know if the the Mark Davis one was because the or say I'm it may have been like he, like Dax's boot kind of caught him in the forehead. Oh, it's an absolute what a what a shot it was! Like when you when you see how it's happened, you're like, oh yeah, that's going to leave a mark. And just everything they done, it was just to me, it was just like textbook perfect tag team wrestling. Both teams get the get the assignment. They came up and were like, we're just going to fucking smoke this, like it's the biggest match ever. Even though it's just like a kind of glorified house show to an extent. When you look at the rest of the cards for the two nights. They treated it like it was the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. One thing you can say is that the two main events of a request really delivered. Those were given all the time, all the like importance, and everything. And like these guys are both clearly big fans of tag team wrestling. New Japan gave them the time to properly go out there and showcase themselves. And like some of the double team moves that they got, as much you had Aussie Open hitting the big rig, which got me. You know, like. Given the delay, like, I knew that the FTR retained, but they still got me every so often, like especially when they did the big rig. And so that's how you know it's a market good match. Even when you know the result is not in doubt, when it makes you doubt just for a second, that's when it really gets you. And also loved to give a callback to when FTR were in Dill's submissions against DIY, where you got dueling sharpshooters on Aussie Open. Yeah, that was just. It was all those little beautiful throwback spots, and I don't even know what to say about the match because it's just it, like it's it's probably already been seen out there by everyone already. And if you've not seen it, you need to watch it at this point. Pause the podcast, fucking watch the match, or I swear to God, George Michael will come at you with the techers. <laughs> yeah, okay, Dan, go pause it right now. Go watch it. Oh, you're back. Wasn't that a fucking banger, wasn't it? Easy. You know why? <laughs> anything about like I could probably watch that match like twenty fucking times, and I probably wouldn't get sick of it. It was a hell of a match, and it was interesting because it sets up a match that we were going to talk about later. And that you know afterwards you had Great Okan there, and then Great Okan kind of sized up FDR, which would set up a match between FDR and the team I now know as the Olympic Shaggers of Great Okan and Jeff Cobb, which. You and I were talking about. We were surprised. It felt like those two were being set up as the uh, as the next challengers, and then the F, the announcement of FTR as the open kind of came out of nowhere. But I think we we weren't really complaining as we knew it was going to deliver. Aye, everything everything just delivered on every level. Why would we not be happy about it? <laughs> right, why would we been hurt? But going back to the rest of of night one, the semi main event got a big. Uh, showcase it only went about 15 and a half minutes but it was Shota Umino taking on Will Ospreay with, uh, with Shota's dad red shoes as the referee which created an interesting dynamic and a finish but 
I love that across both nights, I think Red Shoes was one of the most over people on the entire card. Oh yeah, like, that's, like Red Shoes is just like, he's a character into himself, but he, yet despite him being a character into himself, in my opinion, it's not that he does anything any different from any other referee, but he's just, he just knows what he needs to do. He never like tries to take the show. People just love him. Mm-hmm. I do love there was kind of a bit where like, there was Julian Chance for us very show as they're kind of about to sell hadn't really locked up yet. And then people started chatting for Reggie's and then he and Osprey T's kind of sizing each other up. It's <laughs> <laughs> a uh, class. And then the match ends. What, what's described by the comedy is a kind of premature sub, because Osprey's like wailing in the forbidden blade and hitting the elbows in the back of the head. So Reggie's ends up calling for the match to be stopped and awards it to, to Osprey, which does get some booze, but you know. Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton arguing about it. Was it too quick? Was it because it's his son, or or maybe is it worried because he didn't start the match right away against Sonata when Sonata got injured? So, probably not knowing that at the time that we were going to get the the rematch that we're going to talk about. But you know, I definitely. Well, it wasn't a finish I was expecting, but it was a case of, oh, well, Osprey's been involved in controversial decisions referee wise this past year, but this time it was actually one that went in his favour. Yeah, I mean, like. Osprey get like people being as shocked at Osprey the same way Osprey got shocked when he took his messages to the Dream Boys and thought it was a musical. <laughs> no, yeah, <I've> seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Osprey thought his misses tickets to Magic Mike thinking it was a musical. Uh, not knowing it was actually a stripper show, you know, based on the you know the movies that have come out, you know, that's why it's called Magic Mike. But, and there's just a video montage of him first being sitting there in his weird turtleneck, like he's trying to be like that photo of the rock. Uh, he's there like, oh, I'm really excited. Then there's that, that image of his face looking all shot. And then him alongside Michael looking and the others all outside going, I did not sign up for this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I assume he hasn't went to cinema to see them, but you got to think, well, also he's least heard of the Magic Mike movies and what they're about. And then we see the show called Magic Mike. He would do his proper due diligence. Does he just look at the tickets and just click buy now? Like, Osprey does not put any forethought into his actions. No, it is clear he is not the brains of the United Empire despite being in charge of it. Yeah. Like, there was a thing where he was stepping in almost as a voice of reason when Buddy Braun Strowman was kicking off on Twitter recently. But, like, and that's the thing, like, Osprey's pretty put on it on Twitter and in real life many times. So when Osprey's having to be the one to tell you to, no smart enough about you know you've you've fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I think Osprey winning here was never in doubt, but I think it was just the way that they went about it was quite surprising. Yeah, that's it. Like the the, the way it the way it was done, it, it did catch me off guard. I wasn't expecting it, but like they should and as well kind of go more like when we talk about sub 50 minute bangers but it, it, they're very good at showing you don't need a half hour event to make magic happen mm-hmm. yeah and also the fans in the UK obviously know sure not just because if they watch New Japan they know about the stuff between him and John Moxley but he spent much of his surgeon in Rev Pro he's and uh, he's wrestled well as before the for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship if asked so Everybody knew who Shearer was. And to kind of Rev Pro, there was a lot of like Rev Pro talent being like showcased across these nights. Like you had the opener of Bloody 
Right one was Dan Maloney versus Gabriel Kidd. You had RKJ and Michael Oku against Kerry and Gray and Great O'Kan. And then you had Oku and Timo Robbie X against Doke and El Desperado. And you got Ricky Knight got a team with like FDR and that against the Empire on the second night. So a lot of, uh, you know, some big stars obviously elsewhere wrestling, but you got a lot of the biggest names on the card, but also managed to showcase a lot of the homegrown guys as well. Yeah, it was good to see like the the Ref Pro guys get a good showing and things like I was I really enjoyed on on night two getting to watch like the the tag match with Sanada and Hiromu against uh, Ethan Allen and oh fuck what's he gonna get that honestly oh, my head's falling at Mars today so I've got the wrong page up there we go look Jacob and Ethan Allen that's it mm-hmm. got it there in the end <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, the recently defeated Michael Oku for the British Cruiserweight Championship, but it was a solid match. Unless even though I think you knew that uh, LIG were going to win, but something that was interesting in the uh, the five on five match, which you had bloody Gideon Gray screaming his lungs out, <laughs> introducing the bloody United Empire. And I love still like how much that Chris John just seemed to defend Gideon Gray probably because they're both British. And Kevin Kelly can't stand him. Uh, just like uh, they're chatting, they were chanting this match of Gideon's a wanker. <laughs> and, uh, and then we use the middle of his introduction right before he came and mentioned the first member of the United Empire was going to introduce Kuro Chang, shut the fuck up. And Gash Wheeler, uh, sorry, Dax Harwood took the mic goes, I don't know if you can hear that, but you got just over 2,000 people telling you to shut the fuck up. It's amazing, just so much, so much heat, just by existing, just by standing there. Yeah, just his mere existence in Super And I, I said this to you. I looked at Gain Gray, and it hit me that he looks so much like Tony Hares, the guy that Alan Partridge is desperately trying to pitch program ideas to in the first episode of I'm Alan Partridge. That once I've seen that, I, I can't unsee it. And then I've pitched to you. He should then be. He should now become the. Uh, the Alan Partridge of pro wrestling. <laughs> I mean, I also pointed out to, to our illustrious boss, Stephen Wilson, that like when he, when we were talking about it and he was like, Gideon looks really out of place amongst everyone. I was like, well, it looks out of place the same way you do with your shaved head now, baldy. <laughs> <laughs> One of those guys who, like, I remember it seemed weird at the time he joined, but then they talked about him being the great old and now they're making him always the money man is Secretly, he's been behind the scenes all along. I'm wondering now, because he was kind of working with USDJ as part of this, the Legion and Red Pro, and I think they did tease like United Empire wanting USDJ before he went on his excursion, and Suji got to show up and have a banger with uh, Tomohiro Ishii in place of Jonah, who couldn't make the show. So I'm wondering if he returns from his excursion, if we're going to see USDJ join the United Empire. I thought it was interesting to see that like Suji has just went over to CMLL as well. Alright. I was like, that's a surprise. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yes, it is very interesting, but I would like to kind of see him amongst the United Empire, you know, let the great O'Shagger take him under his wing and show him his ways. That's it. The great O'Shagger is just making everything work perfectly right now. Especially that video of the Muldoon Reservoir dogs and the great old shaggers at the back with the two women in his arms. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like black and white, they're all in their suits. 
Kyle Fletcher looks like he's borrowed his dad's suit. <laughs> no, no, Mark Davis it was okay, he's borrowed his dad's suit. You said that Kyle Fletcher looks like he's still in school, but the best comment I've seen of that video was the Super J cast account uh, quote you tuning and said, I love Greer Khan bringing up the rear like he's a villain in a Yakuza game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, absolute. That was pure gold. I was like, yep, I cannot unsee that now. <laughs> and, like, I think it was when at the time they filmed that because they're all in the same suits in these videos. You sent me about it was, it was Francisco Akira's uh, birthday recently, and, like, the guys from the United just kept tweeting videos of them having to help him with his tally. First, it's Will Osprey, who, when you look at the video, like, if you told me he was his older brother, I wouldn't be surprised. And then he's his cool cousin, TJP, having to come in and help him all the while Kyle Fletcher film, like, oh, do you need help with your tie? <laughs> Everyone helps Akira with his tie. <laughs> he does look like the one who, out of most of them, probably does take the most ribbons out of all, just probably just from the credit of being the youngest one in the group. Oh, yeah, he, he must get some actual abuse from them, like when they're having a laugh and nights out, because it does look like they always like to go out and have a good bit of time. I, I said to you the other day, uh, if a stag do was a wrestling faction, it would be the United Empire. <laughs> and it's it's bang on. Can't deny it. Yeah, you cannot deny it. But, so yeah, I love how Green Grey's kind of almost getting over with the Japanese audience for some reason. And yet, whenever he goes comes back to the UK, everyone fucking hates him. And I think it was during battle on the, uh, like Kevin Kelly said about uh, Gideon Grey, he looks like he's been lying face down in the Thames for a few days. <laughs> That's it. He's just clearly had a bad time of it. He's just been left to soak in the bad stuff. But the reason I was trying to bring up that uh, ten-man tag was also because the match ended with a win for the United Empire. The Great Okan getting the win remaining undefeated in the United Kingdom uh, by defeating Ricky Knight Jr., the current British undisputed heavyweight champion, which has led to a match uprising 22 on December, December 17th in York Hall. The Great O'Kan is going to challenge Ricky Knight Jr. for that title, and match is being billed as undisputed versus undefeated. Big Shagger against the champion, I put it. Oh, he, he has to win. He has to, you know. We need a man like him to lead this country because, like, again, it shows. I joke to you that it, was, it shows how long ago, buddy, uh, Royal Quest happened that the Good Brothers were on it. It actually dated even more because Liz Truss, I'm pretty sure, was still Prime Minister when that show happened. We've 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 gone a full Prime Minister since that show happened. That's it. We've had so many big changes in such a short period of time. It's it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, yes, we forget Liz Trust or Richie Sunat, the man to really lead us into the new year, lead Britain by example, is the great Okan. All hail. All hail. Let him do it. Uh, uh, also, that show looks like a solid one because there's like a women's under, uh, unification match between Kanji and Alex Windsor, uh, Michael Oku versus Connor Mills, and Dion Slater is taking on Zack Sabre Jr. on that show. So, there's some solid matches all. Oh, right. I think there was another one I was looking up earlier on. I tried to find it here. Oh, yeah. Luke Jacobs defends the Cruiserweight Championship against Dan Maloney. So, Red Perot, you know, putting on yet another banger to close out 2022. That's it. Red Perot always like to deliver. When it comes to their big shows, Uprising, um, 
Summer Sizzler and stuff like that, you're always going to get absolute bangers, without a doubt. Yeah. So, I know we're recording our Christmas special very soon. I'd like to like that we record it on the 18th, so that so that we can wake up on the 18th to see if he won the title, and if he did, we can celebrate. If not, we can still celebrate him and say he doesn't need titles. Basically, not UK wins. He doesn't need that. He's bigger than that. That's it. We can... We we can celebrate, rejoice, knowing that Christmas came early, and it came in the form of the Great O'Can. All hail, all hail! Christmas came early, but he never does. He always makes sure the lady does first. That's the, that's the type <laughs> of thing he is. But the man has clearly got a talent because the amount of women that you see him with on Instagram, we have got so many things to talk about in that special. Clearly, uh, that Claude does more than a few few other things, but. Uh, the last thing I'll talk about from World Quest was the match that Titsy and I told won against Zach Hayward Jr. in the main event of night two to earn his shot at Will Osprey for the US Championship and other match we kind of knew the result of. But what a match this was, it was quality takers mixed with a bit of comedy, you know. You had Naito taking a piss out of ZSJ by locking his mission and then and then trying to start a ZSJ chant. You had Red Shoe's going to get in chance as well. Yeah, chance of fuck the Tories. <laughs> Which Kevin Kelly said, yeah, said, you know, lose trust sounds so much like distrust. And it's the most fitting name for a politician I've ever heard. <laughs> well, see, you, you knew it. As soon as you've seen those two were announced together, it's like, they've not done it for a while. And every time these two do come together, it's gold. They don't have bad matches. It's as simple as that. Naito and Sax Saber Jr. do not do bad matches with each other. You know, what made it even more perfect was Chris Charlton talked about how like and other ladies two might be friends, but they just seem to get in each other's nerves. And he went on to describe them as the Richie and Eddie of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is a reference to the nineties British sitcom Bottom, which I never thought we'd get a name drop on bloody on New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> That's it. We just we just never know what we're going to get these days, especially when we've got the likes of Kevin on the co- on the commentary desk. Ah, but Kevin and Chris, what a team they are! And the only thing that'll make it even more happy is if we can get Gino back and not in brief cameos whenever the Doki Choki gets applied. But <laughs> so ESG, uh, who does get the win in the end? There's a couple of close near falls like the Zach Driver, Karen the Destino. But Naito gets the Destino, not a full one, but he manages to bring him back up, ring up the arm and hit Destino. And Naito, as Chris John points out, like, they said it was the first one since the Tokyo Dome in 2020, but I think he got interrupted by Kenta then. So I think it's actually the first one he's had since uh, New Beginning in Osaka 2020, where he's managed to do a roll call that the fans have been allowed to like chant back at him. So first time since February of 2020, Naito got to do, close the show with a roll call. And the fans, because they're in the UK, got to, you know, you know, chat along back to like the names of the the guys as you listed through, and then the Osengo Manables de Hapo. It always felt, it always felt like forever that we we're never getting that roll call again. I was like, go and stop giving me blue balls and just give me my damn roll call. <laughs> yeah. Also, again, shout out long ago. That's how it happened before. So I realised that a declaration of power actually happened shortly after the show, and it happened there. Again, dating the show, he's run through the names of the names of the LIG. They've added a new member since then. Like, because for a brief second, I was like, 
Why is Tita not getting a mention? Like, oh jeez, how fucking long ago was this show? <laughs> Forever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, let's take us, ourselves back to Japan and talk about Battle Autumn. We had the TV title tournament uh, across this tour. That was the main thing you tune in for. Those matches are always put up for free on New Japan World. And to quote Seamus, this banger after banger after banger after banger. Because just, yeah, Renarita against uh, Tommy Yorishi gets great Muta showing up to screw the great old can. Because apparently, according to Great Muta, there's only room for one wrestler whose name starts with the great something. And <laughs> we had Zack Sabre Jr. putting on quality matches right up, going right up to the time limit. But not being asked to do backstage promos like they were ahead of the show, like they were doing for everybody. And then that led to the promo of the year where Zack Sabre Jr. Where Zack Sabre Jr. got Oyua, I think it was, to stand in his place. And as he whispered to his lines off camera, like, my name is Zack Sabre Jr. My name is Zack Sabre Jr. Evil, you are, you are a dickhead, dickhead. <laughs> he looked so happy when he said it as well. That's what made him better. Like he just looked like like a kid being told that he could swear for the first time. It's like go on, son. You can use a bad word. <gasps> really? Yeah, go on, say it, dickhead. <laughs> I love that. Also, as soon as he says that I'm Zach Saber Junior, you have you can hear. Uh, Kevin Kelly off camera going, ha! Like he immediately knows what's going on and he's already pissing himself laughing. <laughs> that, that that TV tournament, like obviously we're waiting until Wrestle Kingdom for the final, but my God, fucking brilliant. I know, right? <laughs> oh, many times they've come so close to the final. I was convinced they were going to do a draw at some point. Like, I wanted a draw. You know, yeah, it's Sanada versus Taiji. It went to 14 minutes 57. Yeah, Alex Zane tapping out five seconds before the timer, which is just heartbreaking. <laughs> and he had, a, he had a few matches that went right to the end, like Sonata or Renier went 14 and a half minutes. But Zach Sabre Jr. in his semi final match with evil thanks to the traction from not just Oyewa, but from uh, Fujita as well. He was using deep double decoys to uh, distract evil and Dick Togo. He managed to get the win in four minutes 48. Which I'm glad at because it does feel like in these kind of tournaments, evil keeps getting used in these tournaments as like the oh god, not him, and then he goes to at least the semis before he's defeated, just to you know put the shakers up. I could, I was, I was like, oh god, that's an evil match. Please don't let it last too long. Oh wait, Zack Sabre Jr. is against them. Yep, this is going to be pure gold. It's going to be funny. Let let it happen. Let the magic happen. And it didn't disappoint. I did love him like like evil happy Halloween pumpkin dickhead he, it was walked... evil selling the decoy as well like evil properly like when, when the camera looks at it he looks properly shocked I was like alright give this man an Oscar because that is fucking class acting uh, I love that Zach walks back on the ramp with the two young lions still wearing his jackets and the, the two of them took a kick in his will at the hands of Dick Togo but yeah, uh, good into it. Uh, well, so now we've got the final at Wrestle Kingdom of Ren Narita taking on uh, Zack Sabre Jr. 
What do you think about this as a as a final? Was this something you would expect? I mean, I think Zach Eugene was a always a favourite, but do you think Red Navito would have gotten this far? We we know that I was back in Sonada. I always backed my boy Sonada, and he got beat by Narita. But Narita has been pushed as a big deal. It feels like the entire time Narita has been in America has just been leading Tim coming back, and and a new title is a fantastic way to push him without possibly finding any weaknesses because it's hard to fit, hard to find a weakness in a fifteen minute match if it's done right. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. the fact that he has this whole kind of Shibata style, Saber and Shibata, that's that's a beautiful matchup. So having this kind of similar matchup, I can't see anything but an absolute fucking five star match happening at Kingdom in under fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, I mean that's gonna be a hell of a match. I imagine it'll be fairly early in the card, maybe towards the end of the first half of the show, and it's one of those matches where you know it's not going to overstay its welcome. Because like, it's only going to be 15 minutes at most. Uh, but with Zach Steele Jr. involved, you know it could end just like in a, in a minute. Yeah, you had some other solid undercard matches like in the tournament. You had uh, Goto and Kenta. I mentioned Toriano and Great Okane have their history. Yeah, Yoshiashi and Jeff Cobb. But Yoshiashi finally managed to get a win over Jeff Cobb, which <laughs> given the hyping up, oh, like he beat him in this time, Jeff Cobb beat him this time, this time, like, like, you're really trying to make me, you're really setting me up for the shock, aren't you? So much so that I'm wondering, like, am I being set up to be double sword and then he actually loses again? But no, I can get the win. That's the big fucking goofy looking bastard that he is. <laughs> oh, he didn't go much further, so there's that. But he got battered by evil the next round. So yeah, we got Renneria versus Sad and like, Ren Narita, like I said, seemed like in that big push out of the gate, you know, like I said, son of strong sale. That overhead, like, bridging suplex finisher that he does is, like, so unique. I'm surprised I've never seen anything like that before. But I have a feeling he might not win the title because, you know, it's that New Japan way of, like, they push you heavily out of the gate, but then they kind of kill you off and then before giving you the proper push. So, like, Jay White in the back doesn't win the Intercontinental title from, from Tanahashi, but then a month later beats Kenny Omega. The US too, and then his proper rise begins. So, I have a feeling that maybe Zach will get the belt, but this will these losses will be used to kind of build Narita back up because Zach's not won a singles belt, I don't think, since he lost the British heavyweight belt to Osprey right before the pandemic. Yeah, he's primarily been like tag team gold holding for the the pandemic. So I think, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I think whoever wins this. It's going to work. It's not a bad choice either way. Narita would be an interesting choice when being kind of the fresh push. Sabre would be a fantastic choice because of his unique way of being able to make matches go in minutes or right to the, right to the limit. And if he loses to Narita, I'm sure you'll find a way to blame it on Rishi Sunak. Uh, but it would be funny to see he's actually a junior with that belt because it's so massive and he's so skinny. Seeing him wearing that belt around his waist would just look so odd. It would probably take up most of his like his midsection. I think he'd end up looking like crying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I wouldn't be against it, but I think about a lot of them as a show overall was just class because there was like something different in every match and that's what I like about these bigger kind of New Japan shows because like, 
this not being called like Power Struggle or what the usual shows during this time usually are was a bit weird, but they kind of delivered because they had the junior title match open. Then the most filler of matches, even then, it wasn't that much filler because you had Aussie Open making their Japanese debut in a eight man tag. Then you had over you during a singles match. Then two TV title matches, which were salt, which were fast right out of the gate because you know you only had the fifty minute time limit. Then you had a four way which has the guys from the uh, which has the guys who will be in a four way at Wrestle Kingdom tag match, which is the, the Tokyo Dome main event. Tag title match, US title match, like just all, like every match means something different. That's it. There was so many, so many matches. I mean, you know, obviously we had, as you said, like we went straight into like a multi man, then we went into Hikuleo v Zujiro because the big fucking bald fraud <laughs> decided to take the blood money. Good brother, my fucking boss. <laughs> eh? They should have just stripped them of the title. The absolute fucking gimp that he is. We know how angry I was about this. I used to defend Anderson. Now he's just a big, massive, stinking fucking hypocrite. <laughs> and then the funny thing was, that, that day at Crown Jewel, he fucking lost. The judgment day still won. And that's it. He goes there to lose the judgment day. And also, we got a double swerve of betrayal that weekend by having Alcock fuck off to Saudi Arabia and not bother helping us. He can fuck off of that as well. <laughs> ah, very much the Lord Gideon Grey without the money of ESSR. But so, like, I'm sure the match is going to have it wrestling a bit. Uh, Hikuleo's sides like, don't strip on the belt. I want to take it from him. So Yujiro randomly challenges him to a match. And it gets, well, first of all, the show tries to attack him before the match happens. Uh, before the match is made official, and Nicolio just easily fends off both of them, like splashes in the corner. Bell rings in 28 seconds. Nicolio beat him with a choke slam, like 10 seconds longer than buddy Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus at WrestleMania 28. <laughs> it was just, yep, he's in, he's up, he's down. Goodbye. <laughs> Which, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't against because. I just feel like, you know, 2021, one of my biggest complaints with New Japan was so many matches uh, felt like they went longer than they needed to. It feels like they've really created that in 2022. And again, here, like, ah, no overstaying, it's welcome. Moving on with the show, keeping everything moving. And to be honest with you, it's about as long as I want to see a Yujiro Takahashi singles match. <laughs> Until Yujiro gets away from the fucking House of Torture, he's, I really, I, I want nothing to do with him. Once he's out of the house of torture, I'll be interested again. Because I actually find Yujiro could be quite funny as a character. He could be quite entertaining. But just, no more of the house of Bovags, please. <laughs> yeah. I love Kevin Kelly also kind of bigging up like, his outrage about Carl uh, Anderson. Like, well, Carl, I hope you enjoyed that second pull you clearly wanted. And I hope all the cheat was very, very full this week. Oh, it's, it was just it was it was a well placed shot by Kevin Kelly because let's face it, it was like it, it got to that point where everyone's like, is it a work? Is it not a work? And the fact that New Japan put out a statement about the like taking accountability for their their title holders and their professionalism, I was like, oh shit, no, this isn't a work. <laughs> uh, 
just the other thought went for me how we felt like we were going back to tradition with the opener being for the junior tag team titles. And actually, I remember talking to you about like how is this not the the match at Wrestle Kingdom? But yes, Bushy and Tita, men in the masks, <laughs> taking on the men who decided to call themselves Catch Twenty Two. That came out of nowhere. That name, uh, which doesn't even make any sense because Akira's not even twenty two anymore; he's twenty three. So they should be Catch Twenty Three. But uh, you had a different name you wanted to give them. God, what did I call them again? I've I've already forgotten this. I think you wanted to call them Team Twink. That was it. Because there's a couple of wee twinks, like. <laughs> I mean, despite the fact that even though it doesn't look at TJP is 38 years old, and so while I was I was hesitant to call a man pushing 40 a twink, you know, Shawn Michaels still comes out sexy even though he hasn't been either in such a long time. That's it. That's like it's like where is the sexy boy? He's long gone, long gone. <laughs> He's somewhere hiding behind the balding, cross-eyed man. He's keeping his eye on on the the competition while focusing on you at the same time. Don't make us come down and talk to you. Like, are you talking to me? <laughs> it's like no, I'm talking to him beside you. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> It's like that Monty Python's case, that guy who always sees double of everything. Like, the plan is to climb both peaks of Kilimanjaro. There's only one peak. Oh, that'll save us some time. <laughs> yeah. This opened the show and it went like 11 minutes 36. And, you know, getting being so close to Tag League, I, I didn't know where this was going to go, but fairly cleanly, United Empire got the win, which had me think, like, huh. I really thought they were going to push Tita and Bushy right out the gate. Clearly not. Titan has been saddled with the liability of losses <laughs> that is Bushy. I know. And I felt bad, but then again, it was a solid match. And bad that they don't mention the, these two won like, singles matches on the lead up to and they got a win. Uh, Molly Mantag, I thought, like, okay, they're giving them so much, they're really setting these guys up to lose. And I think it was Bushy who got pinned in the end as well. So Titan's like, mate, you're making me look bad here. I'm trying to make an impression as a new member of LIG. That's it. It was a victim to the leaning tower. <laughs> uh, there's also another junior tag match with Master Wato Esperado taking on Hiromu and Ishimori uh, with with uh, Wato and Desperado getting the win. Really, I think Ishimori kind of betrayed his own tag partner just by nudging into him into a roll-up. They, they drew this out of like, I, I was, part of me was convinced was, they were going to pair Desperado and Hiromu together. I thought like, that seems too obvious that they might not actually go with that and Lombo all they didn't. Yeah, that, that's, it was like, hmm, did I see this coming? Possibly. <laughs> did it disappoint me any? Nope. It was fun. Yeah. Although what needs a haircut. <laughs> I cannot deal with that fucking Karen haircut that he's got in the Master Karen. He wants to speak to the manager. I guess that's going to be his new catchphrase. Not way to the grandmaster. It's going to be way to see your manager. <laughs> <laughs> see this way, like the way of the grandmaster, way to the grandmaster. How long is it going to fucking take him to reach it? Because and who is the grandmaster? I want it to be like when he gets to end. It's like who is the grandmaster? And it's like. It's fucking Morgan Freeman in his role <laughs> as God. It seems to be as many miles to the Grand Master for him as there is in that bloody Proclaimer song. 
But really, it's going to get to a point where you're like, maybe the real grandmaster was the friends I made along the way. Is that the grandmaster in your kitchen? No, it's uh, Aurora Borealis. Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Yes. <laughs> there is no grandmaster here. Otto, <laughs> the grandmaster's here. No, mother, it's just the northern lights. <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh, we had we had quite a bit of solid tag action on the on this battle on show, and um, that was more so evident in the semi event with with FTR against the Olympic Shaggers of Great Okada and Jeff Cobb. Uh, again, solid bit of tag wrestling. Kevin Kelly come out with the whole. Oh, they can't even get a match in their own home promotion. Same thing he was going on about when Lance Archer was here for the G One. So yeah, another example of I can't get picked in AEW, but here, here I'm looking like a fucking star in New Japan. That's it. Like that was, it was it was sad to see the the Olympic Shaggers not come up triumphant. But again, FTR putting on a great match, and it was nice to actually see them in Japan. Yeah, Ryokan had a hell of a showing when he was kind of fending up both members of FTR on his own. FTR pulling out some like. Classic tag finish, like the Steiner Bulldog off the shoulders and Power and Gori's old suplex into the splash combo, which was like solid. Uh, it was sadly the Great Shagger that had to take the fall, uh, but it's not his fault. Clearly, that useless lump Jeff Cobb wasn't fast enough to break up the pin. But Great Okan does take the loss here, and FTR once again uh, retain their belt. So only two defences so far since winning the IWGP titles back in June, but they made up for it because uh, they had the two matches so close together, both of them bangers. This one wasn't five stars by Meltzer like the other one was, but, you know, doesn't take away from how, qual- how class it was. Yeah, that's it. You knew you were going to get a solid match and it was going to be a different type of match as well because O'Kan and Cobb are a completely different tag team from Aussie Open, so we got a nice different dynamic. And so, the Cobb injury. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't realise he even got injured. There you go. I think that's maybe why Buddy O'Kan did so much when it was two-on-one, because, you know, he was, he was having to carry the load, so he was. <laughs> but we talk about five-star matches. Well, the main event was a five-star match, and this is now carry Will Osprey over Okada in terms of most five-star matches. So he beat out Okada which the commentator do mention the fact that Okada does wrestle mainly in Japan, whereas Osprey's going all over the world, so that is going to add to his overall total. But, yeah, they, they were talking about wrestling Osprey as like a tail in itself, because like the fact that he has had five-star matches with someone, he'll even like likes of Josh Hatch have had five-star or close to five-star matches with him, and saying, like, if you have a great match or a five-star match with Oral Osprey, your cage match overall goes up, and suddenly you get a lot more attention. So, like, they're really paying off because, like, the guy everyone wants to wrestle. And, you know, no matter what people think about Osprey personally, because people are going to have a lot of personal opinions on Osprey that they just will not put to the side when it comes to judging his in-ring ability in the ring, it's hard to argue against him. The man knows how to how to make put a show and make a spectacle. Absolutely. I, like, I couldn't have said any better. And, uh, I also did not know where it was going to go because this is Osprey's third defence. So he's already had more defences than any other US champion this year. That belt's been you know, banging, been passed 
about <laughs> this year. And you know, so I could actually believe somehow Naito gets the win, maybe sets up a rematch at Wrestle Kingdom, and that's you know, Naito's road to road to the Tokyo Dome because that's he said like when he lost in the G one that Osprey kind of took his path to the Tokyo Dome because he wanted to be in the main event. But I could have easily seen that Naito Know, take the bear because if he had done that, he would have met Jane White in terms of you know quadruple crown champions. Uh, but it was not to be. So, did you have were you hoping in a way that Naito would win? Because I know you're a big LIJ fan. I was, I was, I was actually rooting for Naito to win. I really wanted them to win it because you know, as you, as you put it, like third defense pretty much puts Osprey already ahead of like most of the other previous 15 champions. But there's still a way for Naito to make it to the dome. I'm not counting my boy out yet. And it was an absolutely fantastic match. Like, I, I loved it. Yeah. Also, I love Osprey during the uh, during the build to the press conference, basically saying, like, Yo, Naito, it's no, you know it's your fault that we don't have the Intercontinental title anymore. You said you defend them separately, and you didn't. So you not defending that belt separately made them think we don't need this anymore. So it's your fault that we don't have that belly anymore. Like everything, why does everything you touch turn to shit? <laughs> I just, I love, I love that. It's like just absolutely giving them shit for it. It's like, well, fuck you then. <laughs> fuck you. But like I said, a hell of a match, thirty minutes, but never felt dull really at any point. It Osprey landed on his neck a couple of points, like, and I do it's hitting eight breakers from the outside. That does that conversion of the Oscar off the off the guardrail. I think the most kind of gift spot of this match was the the spot where Naito goes for a death, you know, and Austria somehow manages to flip him over and turn into a set power bomb. That was unreal. I was like, how the fuck did he do that? We've we talked about how the Stormbreaker, because given how deadly a, a move it is, it started becoming his new kind of main match ending finish, but Naito manages to kick out of that. So Osprey has to go back to an old faithful in the Stormbreaker to finally put Naito away. And it does. And Osprey stands tall, big red kind of confetti around him, posing with Ozzy Open and Gideon Grey at the end. And then he decides, you know what? I feel like defending this again. Not at Wrestle Kingdom, but at Historic Crossover. So does anybody want to challenge me? You're just sit there, you're waiting, you're waiting. Someone's coming out. And even also like nobody's answering. And he said, uh, okay, anybody from the forbidden door want to come in? And then he goes, Oh well I guess nobody I guess everyone's scared and they have the, like the whole another shoot of like confetti, you know, the ring announcers you know doing his final announcements, Osprey's about to leave the ring, and then that's when the lights go out. And you know we we get this like kind of drawn kind of teasing November twentieth and who is it? He's got a new nickname. It's Bloody Shooter. He's back for round two. That's it. What is it called? Roughneck. A roughneck. Shut down, you know, roughneck. Uh, so, yes, Shooter isn't, get, isn't cutting it for him anymore. So, uh, <laughs> I don't mind it. Uh, but he still comes out with that Motley, carrying that Motley jacket. And he gets drops. Osprey accepts his challenge, and now we've got that match for a historic crossover. Uh, but the Osprey is, is looking to cram as many bloody big matches as he can before Wrestle Kingdom, which means I think who the fuck's he even going to fight at Wrestle Kingdom? <laughs> That's it. I'm like, I'm like, right. If he beats Shooter, 
who who's next? Like who's it? Who's going to have to? It's it's a very hard one because they're not leaving a lot of time to set up a Wrestle Kingdom match since we're going to be focusing pretty much entirely on tag wrestling for the last month of the year. Yeah, maybe they'll have somebody challenging that historic historic crossover Uh, because I was like, he's not going to be in the the tag league tournament. So the only chance we'll see him is like, I think he'll probably come back for the the final because there's usually some big undercard eight-man tags on that show. So maybe someone will challenge him then, but you know, maybe I'm fifty fifty on whether or not I think Show is gonna win. But I do like the idea that now we're seeing these like I like as this new class of young lines has come out like Nakashiva, uh Fujita Oyua are getting showcased. The guys who went on scourging are starting to slowly surely come back, like Nuri is back, now Show is back, and probably is it after he's done in CML, we'll probably see Suji back under a new under a new gimmick. Which I, I like the idea of like like seeing all these big big sort of returns of like young lions that we saw kind of like starting their journey. Suji in particular, I'm quite excited by because I actually did notice browsing some Twitter a gif of Suji on his debut in CMML hitting a fucking Fosbury flop. He's a big boy. He is a very big boy, and he's doing shit like that. It's like this is exciting. <laughs> that is a very exciting time, and so. That then takes us to November 20th with Historic Crossover, which you have to get on pay-per-view on New Japan World. They don't just give you it on New Japan World, which you and I both both were discussing this before we recorded, basically about how much that can get to fuck, unless we get to a point where there's no tournament action and we have some money in December. So I'll play by ear while I want to happen with that match, because uh, I think we both agree that we don't want to pay any extra for it, but it's something that we do want to cover on this show. I hate how much they're potentially charging for it. I do really want to watch it, especially for the main event, which is, to me, massive. I will end up buying it at, at payday, but it's just I cannot justify doing it and full gear in one weekend. It is just far too much expense. Wrestling fans, yes, we have some spare money. That's how you can pay for these things, but we are not fucking loaded. We can't afford multiple pay-per-views in a month. It's just too much. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit much. This is going down on this Sunday, November 20th, and the following day we do kick off the Super J Tag League and World Tag Tournaments. But uh, we, we got the card fairly quickly after that lot of release, and like, I was not expecting the card to be as started as it is. Uh, so we got we got a couple of pre-show matches. We got Nakashima, Oyua, Fujita, and Oskia Lube, this big Ukrainian-looking Uncle Festa-looking bastard. That's now the bad dojo taking on Gabriel Kidd, Alex Coughlin, Clark Collins, and Kevin Knight. And also, we're going to have a Stardom Rambo match on the pre-show. It should be interesting. And then we get to the main card. We've got the House of Bob Bags, all four of them taking on Ishii, Yoshihashi, Yo, and Leo Rush, who he's made an appearance at the the Rumble on Forty Four Street show. Uh, we have a six-woman tag. Ikima. Takala, uh, Sakuri, take on AZM, Lady C, and Kamatani. I'm doing my best for these stardom names. I'm like 50 <laughs> on how confident I am. We have Tom Lawler and Suri taking uh, our MMA style team, taking on the team affectionately now known as Zack Saber Julia of ZSK. <laughs> uh, we have Mono Watanabe, Starlight Kid, 
teaming with El Desperado and Doki against Taishi, Kanamaru, Akano and Sapoye. I'm hopeful that's how it's going to be a banger. That's that's going to be unreal. The fact we're getting uh, like Suzuki Gun v Suzuki Gun. Fucking yes. Then we have Makia teaming with Hiroki Koso against Ashita uh, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Then we've got some uh, some New Japan matches. We've got TJP, Aussie Open, Akira and Gideon Gray versus Naito, Takagi, Sanada, Hiromu and Bushi. We have the Great Mouth's final New Japan match and his third final match ever as his last two are going to be in a pro wrestling dollar ring. He's going to be teaming with Okada and Yano against Cobb, Okan and Hanari. We have in the semi-main event spot the Umino and Will Ospreay US title match. And we have the main event, the final secret, the first ever IWGP Women's Champion, Mayu Iwatani, Iggy and Kairi, formerly Kairi Sane, in the WWE. Oof, what a fucking card that is. Yeah, they went fucking all out with the card. And I would like to pay special attention to what we didn't mention when we talked about Great Muta attacking Okan earlier. How well Okan sold that attack afterwards. Uh-huh. But Coming out pro- in a full mask. <laughs> yeah. He's all bandaged up and like, don't look at me. Like, comes out looking like Buddy Liam Neeson in Dark Man. Is it? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, great Muta taking part. I doubt he's going to lose though, even though really his final match should be taking the fall to Great Okan and letting Okan be known as the great and the one true, the great and Japanese wrestling. But I'm sad that it probably won't happen. Also, was most of this tournament in bloody Japan? Because I knew there was an international bracket. But the one other match I've seen from this tournament was that match on night two of uh, Royal Quest between... What was her name? Was it Eva taking on bloody uh, Jazzy Gabber? I was like, I was like, wait a minute. What happened to the international side? And it turns out, it was like, I think it was like Iwatani won the international side. Or was it Kyrie that won? I think Kyrie won, because like they said... Kyrie won the, the global one. Yeah, Kyrie <laughs> would went on to fight Jazzy, because Jazzy won the... went on to win that match at Royal Quest, which uh, I'm pretty happy about, because... <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, with my first introduction to... like I remember Jazzy from Me Young Classic, but this match on Royal Quest Night 2, my first, first exposure to Eva White, and they said, oh, she's fairly new. And I'm looking at that match and thinking, you can fucking tell. <laughs> because <laughs> she was not the best. She was shouting. Like, she was setting up a leg kick. She did lift her leg a couple of different times. And then hit Jazz in the back. But with every move in her leg, she had to make a weird noise. And literally, it got to only like two minutes into the match. But I'm like, please don't let her win. Please let Jazzy go through. <laughs> like, uh and yet, about the fact she was getting basically dominated for the majority of the match by the dominant heel Jazzy, she was getting no sympathy from that London guy. Like they clearly wanted Jazzy to go through as well. <laughs> yep, there was absolutely no love lost there whatsoever. Not at all. And you know, uh, I think with this women's match, uh, I don't think there's any bad decision to go here. This the best kind of final you could get from this. Uh, I know they said they're going to appear on New Japan, mainly US shows, as well as stardom shows with this IWGP belt, but they they also did announce that apparently, even though it's got the IWGP kind of banner, stardom will have final say over matches involving that title. 
Yeah. I mean, either way, it's going to all come under a sort of general ownership because both companies are owned by the same people at the top end of it, money-wise. Um, yeah. Let's face it, the cat, like the the talent involved in that main event, Iwatani is possibly one of the best ever women wrestlers on the planet, and just perhaps doesn't get enough recognition because she's predominantly worked in Japan, but she has done spots in America, mm-hmm. and well, everyone loves Kyrie. Kyrie was great. So this is just, I cannot wait to see that match. I do think this is one of those shows where it will be, like, for the best introduction a lot of people might get to stardom, especially given that that Rambo match will probably feature a lot of stardom talent, a lot of key names, and then you got them two in with uh, the Japan talent across the show. All they do do more shows, uh, joint shows between both companies, but I'm hoping like they don't keep calling it historic crossover because... You know, if you if you make it a regular thing, it doesn't become as historic anymore. That's it. It's like it's, it's historic the first time after that. It's it's not historic, so give it a different name. Yeah. I'm actually hoping in the next couple of years we can get like a joint like Wrestle Kingdom show, maybe a uh, style show, or at least some show in the dome that's not Wrestle Kingdom with a joint like New Japan Stardom show, where, where you can see like the IWGP Women's Title defended. <laughs> Oh, God, I cannot wait. <laughs> okay, we also can't wait for Super J Tag League and World Tag League. They announced both brackets uh, for the tournament. And I'll talk about Super J Tag League. First, I'll read out the participants there. We're going back to a one-block format for both tournaments, which I was a bit surprised with, but not entirely again. Now, I'll read you the participants. We have also Catch-22, or Team Twink, as they're now known. I'm giving new names to all these teams, by the way. Uh, they're also, as, as IWGP Junior Weight Tag Team Champions, they're going to be in the tournament. Uh, we've got Chaos representation of Leo Rush and Yo, who I am now referring to as Rapongi Retirement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking class. I like that. we got Bullet Club representation of the team I'm referring to as Asa Bay, uh, with Asa and Chris Bay. And we also got Men in the Masks, uh, Bushy and Titan. I'm not going to give these guys a new name because I can't think of anything better than Flying Tigers. We've got uh, four junior tag champs, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask back together. And Joe and uh, Joe and Dick Togo, obviously, they're just team ball bags. Uh, Aye. <laughs> the team... Uh, the team that are being referred to by themselves as Wild Hips, which is Clark Connors and Taguchi, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna rename them Steamed Hams because you can use hams as another phrase of phrase for buttocks. But you know, given the given the Master Water thing earlier, I'm just gonna call them Steamed Hams. Originally, I was gonna call them Big Game '69, but you can choose either name if you want, <laughs> or make up your own and let us know. Uh, the team I'm going to refer to is Doki Whiskey. Uh, Doki and Kanamaru. Uh, and then there's a couple of teams I'm struggling for names here. We've got Kevin Knight and Kushida and Alex uh, Zane and L Lindeman, which is an odd team. I was actually going to call Kevin Knight and Kushida Talladega Knights for some reason. Uh, I can't think of a possible name to combine for Buddy Lindeman and Alex Zane. It's just too weird of a combination. I know I'm like but the sauce and L Lindemann of like what is it strong hearts? It's like what is it strong sauce? Yeah, I was just gonna say strong sauce. 
There we go. We got it. We got him. Remind me, what's Hanari's nickname? Was it Ultimate Weapon or something like that? Uh, Hanari's was like the 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 weapon or the like the final weapon or the ultimate weapon. But to be honest, I, I think I've I've seen a name for the the Hanari tag team for World Tag League, and I, but I just I don't think I can think of a better name than what I saw. <laughs> what was that? Because I'm going on to the World Tag League now, and uh, okay, and they saying well, I couldn't win the tag titles with Call. I'll try it with Hanari. Yeah, the the name that I saw for it, and it's very ever burned into my retina, is, is the Holy Seaman Army. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! I still think the best one that when you get to the team that I'm thinking of, that I'm that I'm thinking of, you'll love it if you've not seen it already. Uh, we got the LIG representation of Sanada and Tetsuya Naito, which I'm going to call the Tranquilo Pirates. Uh, <laughs> We got Aussie Open. Can't really think of anything for Aussie Open. Uh, you got Bebop tag team of Yano and Hiroshi uh, Tanahashi. Uh, I'll guess because they wear the big jackets when they team together. I'll get them Jacket Time 2.0 in reference to that weird <laughs> tag team in NXT. Uh, you got Bishimon or I'm gonna call them Team Team Stick because they both carry those weird stuff to the ring. House of Bob Eyes again represented by Yujiro and Evil. Uh, team Murder, I'm going to refer to it as Suzuki and Lance Archer. Uh, like I say, I can't think, I can't be wrestling or anything for Chase and Fally. Paranoid Android, I can't think of anything better Next. than that. Which is <laughs> yeah, the- Paranoid <laughs> Android for um, Gohan and Kid. <laughs> and then, formerly TM, uh, TMDK team of Shane Hayes and Mike Nicholas, I'm just going to refer to it as Not Aussie Open. The, 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 the Australian. I, I, I was going to go with. I was going to go. With, what was it with the were in NXT games at TM six to one? Aye, TM six one. We'll go for oh. TM six two. TM six two. I was going to say not, not Aussie Open like the Australian tag team, but Aussie Open, not them, the other ones. <laughs> yeah, TM sixty two. Literally, before I read that, read out TMDK, I almost actually called them TM six one because that's what I think of them as. So. Those are your teams for World Tag League. Something a big shocking about World Tag League is like, obviously, I think we knew Good Brothers were kind of out as soon as they went back to WWE, but no GOD, not even having Tama team with like Hikaleo on a team. And also, no FTR. Boo. Fucking Tony. It's his fucking fault. Yeah, no, fuck you, Tony. You're not even, you're not even doing them. You've got them feuding with the fucking ass boys. The fucking ass boys be cursed. <laughs> fucking Tony can be fucking cursed. Doesn't know what you do with Lance Archer, so Lance Archer has to come back to Japan. Bloody FTR doing better in Japan than they are in AEW because they've been number one contenders for ages, but we're, we're not giving them their title shot for some reason. The only reason I can think that they are not in this is like the tournament. Uh, they would have to be away during final battle, which is on the 10th of December. I'm assuming Joey Khan will walk them on that show defending the Ring of Honor tide titles because Tony is in scenario he's hoping they start the Ring of Honor weekly show in early 2023 but honestly you're missing out on one match at bloody final battle one good one good match when you could have like several bangers back to back to back if you let them go to bloody if you let them go to 
Means the band like imagine Suzuki and Archer versus FTR, TNDK versus FTR, a rematch with Aussie Open, but a, a Naito and Sonata versus FTR. Like there were so many possibilities here that we just left on the table here. Paranoid Android against FTR. Bad luck, yeah. Fally and Chase Owens. He's ah oh, no wait, well, I'm, I went too far with that one. <laughs> it's a torch. Oh, no no no. I mean, it'd be fun to see Buddy Dick Togo get a, a big rig if he tried to get involved. But other than that, um, I'm not interested. But are you? Is that is that going to damper your enjoyment? Do you think? Because I know, like, I was a bit disappointed. There's there's some teams I did see. But what were your thoughts on kind of the lineup for for this year's World Tag League? Honestly, I think the lineup itself is pretty solid, other than the fact that I am fed up of seeing the House of Ballbags and Fally and fucking Owens. Like that's two teams that I feel you could have you could have used any other options available to you. I mean obviously if it wasn't because of what was going on with other stories and that and Suji being away, I would have even loved the idea of putting um Suji with um Shooter or pick pitching this one. Imagine if we got Narita together with Shibata. Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. Or even Father play, and son. But Narita we play Shota, buddy, a New Japan Dojo team, you know, back from excursion, looking to prove themselves. That would be a cool, cool matchup. But it's not a bad lineup because, like, seeing Archer and Suzuki back, that, that was a dream. I was thought, oh, it's a bit too optimistic to hope those two will get back together. But lo and behold, we've got it. Uh, also, no, because Zach's got the TV title thing, no dangerous techers either. I know that's silly. We're we're not getting the the beautiful team of ZSJ and Taichi. We're not seeing the bromance continue. No, why couldn't you put Taichi in there? Anyway, put him with Buddy Taka or whatever. But Taka is coming, motherfucker. <laughs> like, so you've got like some good, solid teams here, but just in case, I think we were hyping up so much in our own heads with the idea of FTR coming or the Good Brothers coming with the borders open. I think we hyped up to be bigger than it actually was, but I think what's slightly better than the World Tag lineup is I think the Super Juniors lineup is solid. I mean, there's some weird combinations like Connors and Taguchi and uh, uh, Knight and Kushida and like Lindemann and Zayn, but I still think those teams are going to do awesome things. And like just seeing some of the combinations that we're going to see in this side, like seeing Ace Austin and Chris Bay more in a new Japan ring is always welcome from me. But yeah, I think think about World Tag League. Uh, I noticed that not usually when they reveal the participants right at the top of the list, they put at the top of the page on the website they put tag champs, which is what they did for the junior tournament and uh, Team Twink. But I noticed that uh, when it, when it revealed the article about what teams were in World Tag League, they put Bishimon at the top as the previous winner. So I'm wondering. Instead, in the world title, you like you pin the champions. That factors into the tiebreaker. If who goes through, maybe Bishawan will become the team to beat as like the last year's winners. It's not the most strange thing to happen. I mean, Yoshihashi did win it before, so anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, so I do think like, the idea of beating like, the previous year's winners. Uh, is being like the, the determination of who goes through would be yeah, interesting. Uh, but I think now is the time to start talking about who we think is actually going to win these tournaments because I thought uh, the men in the mass were going to win and you know 
I think that's kind of been cooled off after what happened at Battle Long. So I've got two choices. One's my heart, one's my head. My heart says Ace of Bay, but my head says maybe they'll they'll give it to Leo Rush and Yo. That's it. We'll we'll see what happens. I I still there's always room for surprises in these in these matches, and you know, let's face it, people know how much I take the piss at Yoshihashi, but having the Goto is a good tag team. You're going to see some bangers. Yeah. Ah. So who do you think is going to if you had to take a pick? just looking at the lineup we've got so far, who do you think is the favourite going into the Super J Tag League? So I think for the juniors, um, I'd say probably because they're kind of establishing, even though they did lose recently, I could see Bushi and Titan doing it. I'd like to see them do it, but yeah, I, thought, I think it'd be weird to you know have that story. We, we lost, but then we won a tournament, and so now we're here again. If not them, I would. I, I love the idea of Ace Austin and Chris Bay winning it. That would be fucking awesome. It would be. I'd, I'd like to see that. You know, they're they're I like them in Impact. You know, Chris Bay recently we signed a big deal, uh, multi-year deal with Impact. But you know, if they're not, if they don't have anything for them right now, then I can't see why them going over to New Japan for a while. Maybe them, then bring in the if they won the titles, bring those titles back over to Impact Wrestling, have them showcase on that show. I think that would be really cool. That's, I, I feel that, you know, I, I think they missed an opportunity by not exploiting some forbidden door magics and maybe getting a couple of AEW teams in. Yeah. Especially for, like, the heavyweight side of the of Titan League because, like, what are, like, most teams, like, Chaos also technically includes the best friends or you could have had best friends in the tournament if you wanted to. And like FTR again, like I know they've got the ring war belts as well, but they're not doing anything in AEW. Uh, they're, they're teasing them coming back. I would have loved the idea of any two of the three main House of Black members. Oh, that'd be brilliant. like get, give me the original. Give me Brody King and Malachi, or if Malachi wasn't quite fit for it, Brody King and and Buddy Murphy. Oh, just Buddy or whatever. You know, it would have been absolutely. Incredible, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because uh, like it's hard to now think with the heavyweight kind of side. I really think the FTR once they eventually get that long-awaited second run with the EW tag belts and they drop all of their tag titles, they should like eat that once they drop the EW belts and all their other belts. That Tony Khan should just let them go over in New Japan for like three months. Really, like, right, don't have to come back for another few months. And then let them challenge for the IWGC titles again. Let them have the run they should be having right now because their AEW commitments and their commitments elsewhere really are hampering what should be a solid run for these IWGP titles. But I'll be honest with you, I think another reason maybe Aussie Open dropped those strong belts is because they had that confrontation during uh, the backstage comments with FTR to FTR's match. And like, well, maybe someday you guys will be the best tag in the world, but no, not yet. They kind of like got that beard all over them. I'm wondering if that's setting up Aussie Open wins World Tag League. Get, we get a rematch at the Tokyo Dome this time. Aussie Open take the belts. That's it to me. Like World Tag League is Aussie Opens to win. They are the team that I'm fully, I'm fully 100 
if not them, the only other team that I'd like to see. Why? Oh, God, and now I'm looking at it. There's like three teams that I want to win. <laughs> That's Aussie Open, the Holy Seaman Army, and Night and Snada, the Tranquilo Pirates. Like any one of those three teams winning, I'm happy with it. Yeah, hundred percent. Because they're like, otherwise, what are what are Sanada and Naito going to do at Tokyo Dome? Like, I was a bit surprised because I assumed there was going to be any LIG combination on the heavyweight side. It was going to be Sanada and Shingo. Because, like, Shingo really hasn't been doing anything other than like, these matches with the ELP. So, I assume he'll probably be back in a ramble or something like that. But Oh, you know. well, that reminds me, actually. The, the the Shingo thing, there is something that I forgot to mention about that because, obviously, he's got the he's still got the KOPW. Uh-huh. Um, there was a backstage comments lately, and it was... It's funny as fuck because Taichi um, pretty much challenged Shingo again for the KOPW. But the most beautiful thing about it was he, he, he challenged them to a, to a date that was in the past. <laughs> he literally went to him, keep, it, keep that trophy safe until October 8th, Tokyo Dome, and Shingo just responded, October's long gone, dumbass. <laughs> I also loved like, Taichi job his bags of coins. Like, his promo before his first round match in the... Uh... TV title tournament where he's completely like confusion as to what this TV title even means. Like, what does this mean? TV TV title? But this mean I this mean I get uh, my own TV show. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of man, men that need a TV show, Hiromu Takahashi needs a TV show just to document the fact that he tried beating a world record for how many times he could zip up and down his trousers in thirty seconds. The noises that man was making with those motions was uh, <laughs> something something to behold. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it's weird, like the company, like some of the combinations and the junior junior tag leagues, because I think four of your main players have been taken out because you know they're going to be in the four way. So you can't have Ishimori, Hiromu, Desperado, or Wato in there. So Toguchi's had to find a new partner. Uh, this. Kanamaru and Bushi are basically like, well, I don't care about you anyway. I, I've got a new friend now. Uh, and Bullet Club's only hope, well, I was going to say Bullet Club's only hope is like Buddy Bob Ags from House of Torture, but now Bullet Club's got a team they can look up to with uh, Ace of Bay. But going back to the the world side, uh, I agree with you, like, Holy Seaman Army, Naito and Sanada and Ozzy Open are the two teams that I think other two teams, I think it'll come down to. Uh, I'll read you out because they've announced uh, for the first two nights what the matches are going to be. Uh, I'm not going to read it for all of them, but uh, for night one on the 21st of November, for start Super Junior Tag League, we're going to have Lindemann and we're going to have Strong Sauce versus Stalladega Knights <laughs> of uh, Zayn and Lindemann versus Knight and Kushida. Uh, Kanemaru and Doki against. Uh, Wild Tips or Buddy Steam Tans, whatever you like to call them. There's a Bob Eyes and Flying Tigers, Ace of Bay versus Men in the Masks. And the main event of night one is going to be the champions taking on uh, Yo and Leo Rush. Those are actually some banging matches, to be honest. Like, they're, they're going in big fast. Yeah, definitely. And like, there's so many combinations I can't wait for as the tournament goes on. but We've got TM62 taking on Paranoid Android to start off World Tag League. Then Team Murder is hopefully going to murder Valley and Chase. Uh, Bishamon versus House of Torture because these two teams just can't escape each other. 
Tana Shea and Yuano versus Aussie Open and the Holy Seaman Army versus LIG that's a big match that could be like a almost like final night of World Tag League but they're starting off with it with UE versus LIG that's it that's like I know, like they're, they're going in with like two of my picks right from the get go just to toy with my emotions bastards yeah uh, the final night the match they'll decide the finals of Junior Tag will happen on the 10th of December and the 11th of December will say and the finals of both tournaments will be held on the 14th of December. There's a fair few cheering events, like the first two nights of the tournaments are cheering events and then the final of World Tag League on the 11th is going to be a cheering event. And when you look ahead, when they announce the full like, listing, you know, the... Uh, they announce the full like, list of of events. They show you all the matches and looking ahead, especially towards the end of the tournament, it really usually gives you an interesting idea of where the tournament might be around that time because the semi-main event of the final night of World Tag is going to be Fally and Chase versus Aussie Open. And the main event is going to be House of Bob Ags v LIJ. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if like LIJ and Aussie Open are like tied by that point. And it's like the idea of like both teams need to win or for some like tiebreaker or whatever. <laughs> some utter utter top tier shit houseery right there. Uh-huh. Uh I believe Ace of B are gonna fight the champions on the final night of World of Super J Tag League. <laughs> but really the main event seems to randomly be uh Doki and Karamaru versus Zane and Lindemann, which has me thinking Maybe I've been got a bit of it's all wrong. Is this Doki's time? Can Doki finally get gold alongside Katmaru? <laughs> Let the magic happen. Honestly, I wouldn't be against it. I would not be against it. Getting to see the Doki Choki finally be successful in the Tokyo Dome. Like getting t- getting to see TJP getting put to sleep when the buddy Doki Choki. Buddy. 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 Gino Cambino would buddy. So loudly you could hear it all the way from Australia. <laughs> you will hear the pop around the world. Come on, Gino, come back. We miss you. Gino, come back. Any kind of fool could fit. <laughs> <laughs> there was something. A doke joke. Gino, come back. <laughs> I've lost the fucking plot here. But. Like, is I like the lineup for both teams, especially in junior tag league. There's so many combinations that can't wait to see, especially getting to see Ace of Bay against literally anybody in that tournament. But uh, you know, we can we can sit here and try and predict it and try and talk about it. But we know there's going to be a lot on our plate, and we'll do our best to break it down. But we are going to be in for a long, long December. Oh yes. This is a very long, very long time ahead for us. And I cannot wait. Uh, I can feel my voice going right now. I think by the end of December, I won't have any voice left. But we are going to be back at uh, some point late mid-December after the World Tag League uh, finishes up to talk about the fallout from that. Maybe talk about some historic crossover. And then we'll have two more shows to round out the year. We will have at some point, maybe closer to the start of January, We'll try and bring you a Wrestle Kingdom preview and give some predictions when we have the full card. But we will also have our Christmas special about the Great O'Can. All hail. All hail.
we're going to have to arrange how that's going to work, how we're going to say that, what we're going to talk fully about. But, uh, oh, a great line from, from Kevin Kelly at Royal Quest, talking about basically how shit uh, Green Crazy goes. I'm pretty sure that woman who Great O'Kan saved from that uh, from being assaulted is tougher than Gideon Grey. <laughs> 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 to which Chris Dalton said that would be a marquee match anywhere that woman versus Gideon Grey book it book it now <laughs> book it now Tokyo Dome next historic crossover that match but yeah we're going to make all those arrangements and uh, work out a schedule for December and I'll be bringing that to you soon but in the meantime make sure like I said to follow Super Retreat at Super Retreat uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, join the Facebook community page. Again, join the conversation where uh, you can find us on all good Android podcasts. Please give us a like rating on your chosen platform. That'll be Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to get your podcast. You can find this show, Saturday Draft Live, ESR, send you all the news and reviews, previews, and our weekly feature shows uh, also on the feed as well. Uh, Grant, thank you for joining me to talk about. Uh, big show in the UK, a very busy autumn so far, and looking ahead to these big, big tournaments. It is going to be a fun time, and I cannot wait to be talking more about them, and I most of all cannot wait for us to get to do that Christmas special this year. <laughs> oh, yes. It will definitely be a holly jolly Christmas here on the East Streets West. Until then, goodbye, and all hell. <laughs> Hello, I am Jack Graham. I am Scott McLeod. And I'm David Hockney. And you can catch us hosting one of the greatest shows in the history of podcasts, Saturday Draft Live. You can tune in every Saturday to find out who on the ESSR has the best chance of winning the current season of our Saturday Draft. As always, you can catch Saturday Draft Live on all good podcasting platforms. 